Hello, welcome to Peripheral Thinking. Uh, on this episode, we're doing something different. It's one of uh, a couple of different episodes where I'm talking to James Harrop. Well, actually, more correctly, James is talking to me. Um, I am being interviewed. He is being the interviewer of sorts, but actually it's much more of a conversation than that. Uh, James is somebody I've known for a few years. He's got a brilliant initiative, uh, which is called Change the Story, Change the World. James is a story maker, a story writer. He works with organisations, businesses, big and small, with you know all of the usual people in those. And his expertise, his art, is in the crafting of the story. Because as James knows, you know, the story is everything. The story defines how we see the world. It might be stories we're conscious of. It might be stories we're blind to. There might be stories which underpin our culture. It might be stories which shape and define how we live. Uh, and as part of uh, James's uh, project, Change the Story, Change the World, he's talking to a whole range of different people. Uh, and I was one of those people. And I really enjoyed the conversation. So I thought I would share it with you. And that is what we get into today. So uh, I hope you enjoy. And I look forward to hearing your thoughts. For now, Change the Story, Change the World. Hello, and here we are today with uh, agitator, innovator and friendly problem child. Ben Johnson. He is the chairman, founder, CEO. I don't know. I don't know how you like to identify. Uh, I'll take all of those and none of them. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I've put it on the board. Um, helping a growing community of agitators, innovators and marketing misfits transform their organizations, uh, create positive impact and build really useful companies. Um, he's also the co-host of the Happy Pricing course, which is where we initially met. Uh, and the host of uh, Peripheral Thinking, a blog, a blog, podcast and YouTube channel to inspire you with ideas and thinking from the periphery. Um, and what we're going to do today is perhaps have a look at some of these uh, peripheral ideas. Um, what I want to do, um, I mean, this is a new format, so it's not, uh, nothing is set, but the kind of intention, uh, I'd like to have a conversation with a goal in mind where we will make something, um, be it a tool, a, a, an idea, whatever it might be. Um, we're going to try and make something today rather than just kind of uh, sounding clever with each other. Damn. <laughs> that's, all I, that's all I've got. Yeah, rather than kind of being the, being the experts, I mean, I would, I'd hope that we both bring our, we can bring our expertise but yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm possibly talking more for myself here, Ben. No, I, I'm happy to. I'm happy to go with that too. Uh, the world, there's too many people, too many experts, too many people claiming to be experts. Yeah, that's it. So I think, like, if we can kind of, uh, um, yeah, perhaps humble ourselves a, a little bit and just go uh, rather than as kind of thought leaders, um, we're not leading the way, but perhaps we can find some new ways to go. I liked in the little blurb that you shared before we were talking and, and you said uh, you said less thought leaders and you then offered some other things. But it did kind of sort of strike me that there was good sort of grammatical quirk there because it <laughs> maybe all we should just be is less thought leaders. Yeah, let's have some less thought um, and see if we can uh, actually, yeah, change these things that appear to us as truths, these things that appear to us as kind of unshakable, just the way it is, is of things um and that 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 truth that sort of uh, unshakable system or just the way it is that we want to talk about today 
is growth. Um, see if we can create a new story of growth. Um, so perhaps we can start with uh, what do we mean by growth? I guess in the context that we're sort of talking, which is like a sort of cultural sort of truth a little bit of the time that we live in, particularly relating to work, essentially, um, because that relates to the economy, which relates to a lot about how, you know, I guess our lives are organised and ordered. Um, there is a, there is a, you know, super pervasive story of growth. Governments talk about growth all of the time. Um, you know, the idea of kind of growth being you know, almost the single most important measure that uh, governments default to, which, of course, you know, like we know in itself is a really recent story uh, and is just a, a bit of an accounting quirk, really, which grows out of the fact that governments like GDP as a measure of how their economy is going and as a measure of how their economy is going is a measure of how they're going. But of course, you know, there's sort of huge problems with that because all that really is doing is 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 counting transactions. So, you know, by that measure, you know, uh, any one of us or someone we know getting and being treated for cancer uh, is positively contributing to the economy. Clearly, that's a load of fucking rubbish. So, but th this idea of growth is super pervasive. It is a story which kind of, you know, surrounds us, but is also then by extension, a kind of story which underpins so much about how kind of how we work and how, you know, the ideas that we have and also what kind of needs to happen. It starts to kind of get into kind of, you know, much more sort of somewhat complicated things around how money works, the whole system of finance that we are plugged into is dependent on a story of growth because of where money comes from and how it's kind of created into the world. And, you know, the kind of the consequence of all of this story of growth, of course, is, you know, massive destruction. That is, it's the thing that feeds an ecological destruction. It's a thing that feeds um, a kind of personal, emotional, social destruction, I would say, because if we're constantly chasing this idea of growth, you know, growth is a false profit. It's sort of like one of the kind of things I was kind of wonder about. You know, of course, nothing in nature grows forever. You know, things have a period of growth, then they have a period of sort of sustaining, and then they have a period of decline, and then they die, right? And so that is basically how things work in nature. But our story of growth doesn't allow for any of that, doesn't allow for plateau, doesn't allow for decline, doesn't allow for death, doesn't, you know, let alone celebrate decline or celebrate death as we kind of should do, because that is how, that is how kind of na nature works. So uh, I guess coming back to this question about what kind of growth do we mean, I think it is the story of growth, which for me is the story of growth, which is infuses everything about how our society or a lot about how our societies here in the countries where we live are kind of shaped and formed this idea that being a little bit bigger a little bit more a little bit richer than you were last year or a lot richer than you were last year is is the kind of measure which sort of shapes and informs how decisions are made on a macro scale and a lot of time how decisions are made on a kind of micro scale too yeah i think this is it it's kind of it's growth at the expense of dot 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 and it's this kind of it's growth as this idea of kind of consuming that you must consume and kind of inherent in that kind of consume is destroy. So it's this sort of like uh, this rapacious kind of um, all consuming growth at all expense, um, regardless of uh, of the sort of implication. And maybe there was a time 
when it could be seen that um you know that the sort of the oceans were endless were kind of boundless and bountiful and you would could never kind of you know ru- it could never run out you know this idea that nature was this sort of endless uh, kind of cornucopia that could just be endlessly sort of taken from and it would it would all be fine it's kind of obviously that's no longer <laughs> quite clearly apparent that that's not viable and also yeah there is no model for that in nature other than perhaps a kind of a cancer uh, or a sort of or a virus that does consume its kind of its kind of host, and that's not a kind of that's perhaps not the uh, the icons that we that we we hold up. We sort of hold up these ideas of, uh, especially in kind of business sense, this idea of you know the kind of the 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 predator, the sort of like consuming predator, the shark or the you know the shark or the dragon's den, you know, uh, the sort of the, or the conquering lion or this sort of mighty eagle. Um, there's a there's a very interesting book by Adrian Marie Brown, I believe uh, that's the correct pronunciation, um, called Emergent Strategy, and she references uh, Complex Movements, which is a Detroit-based art collective. They support the transformation of uh, local communities, and they kind of raise these icons of uh, the mycelium and the and the starling and kind of dandelions and ferns and these sort of natural. This natural iconography that perhaps has a more kind of nurturing, but sort of also kind of communal and kind of complex. Because I think we're first starting to truly understand that things are much more complex than we uh, we perhaps gave them credit for. And so, like, if we if we go back to your uh, your vision of you know the natural this natural uh, process, you know, things grow, they they plateau, they die. Is there for you a kind of a natural model that seems more, I hesitate to use the word sustainable because uh, why would we want to sustain this? You know, we want something, we want something kind of regenerative or uh, transformative, um, really. But, you know, in your, in your sort of, in your sort of view of nature and your view of these actions, if kind of, you know, rather than a cancer or a virus or a lion or a dragon, you know, what would be, uh, what, what fits for you? Before I kind of answer that specifically, if you just take something like the kind of the the lion, uh, maybe more than the dragon, I can't really imagine the dragon so much. But the the kind of lion, of course, the lion just doesn't live in isolation, does it? And so, you know, as the Lion King sort of told us, there is a circle, there is a cycle of life, a circle of life, and you know, each of the uh, the contributors to that sort of circle, that cycle is equally important. You know, the kind of over kind of dominance of one part of that will make for an imbalance in the whole. And I guess, so in some senses, you know, the iconography of the kind of the the lion, the dragon in itself kind of isn't wrong. As also, we kind of see lots of this in sort of nature now as we kind of re- as, as people reintroduce the apex predator to, uh, to ecosystems, actually what you find is that the ecosystems really start to thrive. Uh, but the thing that had kind of happened before that, of course, was kind of imbalance. And so the thing that, you know, we're kind of alluding to by holding up the idea of the kind of, of the kind of the lion, the dragon is, it's that in isolation. It's that somehow, the assumption that that somehow is better and more important because it's overtly has more kind of power than everything else. But of course, like we know, so the lion doesn't live in isolation. It's part of a whole kind of very complex interrelationship, you know, a whole complex set of interrelationships and, you know, which is kind of all important. And so I guess coming back to your question there about, you know, what kind of model is right in a sense, you know, understanding the interrelationship is sort of important for me. And, and, you know, I guess, but one of the things, you know, one of the kind of quirks of the way 
the human mind thinks, of course, particularly in the kind of West where we've had 400 years of this is about kind of separating, is about isolating, is about reducing, which is why we get to a a place where we do kind of focus on the lion above all else. And probably also there's a little bit of that makes us feel kind of strong and powerful. And we like that too. So, but in, in a sense, the first thing that was coming to my mind as you were asking the question around a kind of model for me, the model for me that I try and come back to always is just that one we were sort of talking about, you know, yes, there is a period of creation. Yes, there is a period of sustaining a management. Yes, there is a period of decline. And yes, there is death, you know, in a way, there's only real two certainties. One, everything is always changing. And two, everything has a time to die. And in a sense, for me, trying to kind of hold on to those things via whatever kind of iconography or story I'm able to kind of remember and kind of default back to is what I try and do. And I guess one of the things I do that is I'm really interested in trees. So kind of trees that are kind of in the garden or trees that I can see from my office where I'm recording this now, for me are kind of a great reminder of that because A, they move really fucking slowly, you know, like really slowly. They're kind of, their journey moves really slowly. There's no sort of excess growth for the sake of excess growth. There is a height that it makes sense for them to go to. They don't go any higher than that. And they're on this kind of constant cycle, this constant flow that, you know, we see as kind of moving through the seasons. There's nothing we can really do other than knocking the tree down, which kind of throws it off that. So it's a really good reminder for me that, uh, you know, we are all plugged into a flow, a system over which we have you know, very little control. They were all kind of plugged into flow and systems which are much, much bigger than we are. We're all plugged into flows and systems which are on some kind of sort of cycle. And so for me, the kind of tree is a really useful reminder, stroke metaphor, stroke prompt, when I kind of need it to come back to this idea that the kind of things you're sort of talking about, the value of interconnection, the value of the web, the value, you know, the, the kind of reminder of kind of complex things, which are much, much bigger than us. And the reminder that, you know, everything has a time of creation. Everything has a time of sustaining. Everything has a time of decline. And then everything without fail will die. Everything is uh, changing. Everything is connected. Everything dies. And I think this is actually the thought reframing that is needed. The new story isn't, okay, we don't need to create a new story. We don't need a new hero. No, we can still have the lion, but it's just understanding that the lion, Simba's papa, Simba says, we eat the antelope. What are you talking about? Circle of life. And they're like, no, but then, you know, our bodies go into the earth and the grass grows. And uh, I think it shows a kind of uh, <laughs> what uh, the different world we were living in in the 90s when Disney thought, uh, let's create a new African myth who shall we get to sing the songs? I know. <laughs> Elton John. <laughs> He's our man. He'll do it. He'll do it. He did a good, bloody good job. But yeah, so it's not about like, yeah, it's not necessarily, yeah, it's not about, you know, cha changing the, the kind of hero from the kind of uh, the action hero to the sort of like sensitive hero. It's actually about changing the, the format itself to, to see the kind of, to pull out for that sort of bigger picture and to sort of recognize that that interconnectedness. And I mean, how, I mean, this is still going to be, I think it's, this is emergent, this, this idea, but it's still kind of quite an early day. I mean, and if, how would you kind of, if, a, if you were talking to a, to a business, if you were talking to a, to people, how would you kind of like transfer that analogy from the tree, which is okay. They can say, okay, yeah, I get that. That's beautiful. You know, how does that transfer to the, the kind of day, the day to day and the sort of the, the, the lived experience? Emergently. 
<laughs> uh, how does it how does it sort of translate i mean i guess in in a sense also this links back to the kind of first question around growth sort of particularly because in a sense you know what we started this conversation by sort of talking about uh what kind of growth that we meant and we kind of pointed to what we referred to there but of course you know many different things can grow right you know the point is it's just the there is just there is an over kind of dominance of a particular type of growth in our culture but of course many kind of things can grow we can grow you know a kind of myriad of human qualities uh which are kind of which make us feel good which are important to how we relate to other people you know whether they are you know you know which are important to how we relate important to how we think how we feel important to how other people feel important to how content we might feel all of these sorts of things so actually there's many many different things that we can grow it's just the kind of over dominance of a kind of one type of growth which i think creates the sort of imbalance so in a sense how might the model of a tree translate to the 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 day-to-day -day sort of lived experience on the one hand i think it's about helping people start to reconnect to a kind of the, the kind of broader pool of things that they might grow so that they kind of are they are less hooked they are less fixed on this one this one particular sort of strand which of course because of what happens in nature you're never always going to be able to grow your company's not always going to be bigger than it was last year which is even before we get to the question about whether that is a good idea whether that's helpful or whether that's useful even before we get to that it's never going to be bigger every year just because it can't you could only you could only even attempt to do that by artificial uh, quirks of accounting essentially which is basically what happens to bigger companies which need to be telling that story so i guess so some of the ways it translates to the sort of lived experience and i guess with sort of for me i'm talking about people who run their own small ish companies really i mean that's where a lot of my kind of work for money work exists is with people who are who are running their own small small businesses they might be working for themselves they might be working by themselves they might be working they might have a small company they might have a medium sized company whatever it might be but i guess where i'm kind of interested in it translating to the the lived experience is like i said on the one hand reframing understanding that there are many many different things that we can grow and starting to organize our time starting to organize our work so it is in service of a broader flourishing a broader blooming if we like so that on the on the one hand on the other on the other side one of and i guess one of the things which feeds into that a little bit is that i'm you know as as sort of people as humans what we are we're really good at adding things we're sort of adding machines we're constantly adding ideas we're constantly adding people we're adding stories we're adding projects we had clients we had customers you know that's what the focus always is is on adding and i think part of the thing around that is because that sort of talks to the ideas of growth that we were talking about but it also points to something else which i think is quite difficult for uh, for us people which is actually letting go of things and so i think part of the reason that we look away from the the kind of natural kind of cycle that we we sort of only sort of focus on the growth side is letting go and death is we're not good at letting go and we're not good at death uh, in fact everything about our culture points us away from death uh, but actually you know given that death is an inevitability even before we get a, we get into the kind of complicated emotion of, of kind of us as people dying just this turns up this fear of death turns up in our work 
in a reluctance or an inability to let go of things which maybe are not working, to let go of relationships which are not working, let go of clients which are not working, let go of projects which are not going, let go of maybe whole businesses which are not working. But actually, this act of letting go, this act of killing can also be hugely energizing. And actually, I gave a, a talk on this last year, actually, to uh, the Happy Startup School summer camp. And I know you're possibly talking to Carlos as well. I think you mentioned the, one of the founders of Happy Startup School. And I gave a, a talk at their festival last year, which was on the idea of creative destruction. So on this idea of ending things. And in fact, actually, that all creation, all creativity, in a way, starts with an ending. And that, you know, if we really invest, for want of a better phrase, in this idea of ending things, what we're actually doing is we're investing the energy, we're lending in the energy into creating new things. Because, you know, almost like the kind of yin-yang symbol, stitched into every ending is a beginning and stitched into every beginning is an ending. That is, there is an inevitability to that too. So in terms of coming back to this thing around kind of lived experience, coming back to this thing around the, the kind of work that we do, one of the things I'm really interested in is helping people practice the idea of endings. And in a sense, maybe practicing the idea of endings on the small things somewhat, like I'm going to stop, like I, you know, this is something I always done, like for me, um, and this kind of sounds like a sort of glib thing in a sense, but like a lot of my day, I try and start with, with writing. And um, I was in a habit of writing in a coffee shop. And actually, no, I was thinking about it, if I end the habit of writing in the coffee shop and start the habit of writing somewhere else, whether it will change, it will change the kind of writing. It will change how I think it will change the the value of that kind of moment. And in a sense, you know, that just sounds like a sort of simple, easy change. Of course it is. But also it's just about practicing this idea of endings, because if like with all of these things, if we if we uh, don't build that ending muscle, for want of, a, want of a better phrase, when actually we're confronted with needing to end the really big things, of course, we're not going to have the resources or the capacities to be able to do that. So, you know, there's value in practicing those endings because, like I said, when the big things come along, we're in a better place to be able to do it. But also because just this act of ending is hugely energizing. It's a hugely creative act. And learning how to end things well, learning how to end things consistently, what I find for myself is that that is a that's continual creative fuel. It's continual energy which kind of supports my kind of work in being able to kind of turn up creatively every day. And I think a lot of the work that we all want to do, actually, whether you talk of yourself as an artist or not, like I don't like. The story I had from school is definitely I was not an artist, but you know, work is art. It is our ability to create. It's our ability to contribute. It's our ability to kind of share something in the world. And that is, you know, both the curse and the blessing of running your own little business is that is essentially what you're doing. It's your opportunity to create and share something in the world. And so your ability to do that actually, you know, is about how much energy you have to continually create, to continually turn up with that kind of, with that positive in intent. And so for me, this idea of kind of ending things is in service of that creativity. It is in service of the conditions which mean I'm kind of best able to kind of do that and turn up with the most kind of joy and ease and contentment. So, you know, coming back to this, how it sort of turns up in the sort of, in the lived experience, remembering that everything does have a time to die. Remembering that everything is constantly changing, 
These are the kind of, you know, the, they're the givens. Everything else is an interpretation of that. So how is it that I can turn up today in service of that? What might I end today? What might I change today? What is changing over which I have kind of no control? And how is it I can get used to and comfortable with this idea of perpetual change? Yeah, that's a, that's a tremendously powerful, powerful thing. And I think anybody who has experienced that, like, you know, the killing of their darlings, um, who has had something that they really cared about. And, uh, there is a certain person I have in mind, like it, uh, is myself, um, that had to very, was very hard to give up when I went and I tried to give, uh, become a, uh, comics and graphics novel publisher. Cause I was like, this is what I love. I love these things. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do what I love and it's going to make me happy and it's going to make me money and it's going to be like win, 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 win. Um, unfortunately, so I did sort of see myself as an artist, I guess, and I wanted to publish other people and I made some very beautiful books. I made some very beautiful things, some very, uh, wonderful, uh, objects. Um, but I couldn't sell them because I was not that person. And it was really, it wasn't even that the, the, the business failed. It just didn't even start. And I went to see a, a guy named Sven Oliver Heck, who hopefully also will be, uh, will be a guest later. And we did, uh, certainly for my tax man it was a uh, business retreat but actually it kind of it was uh for her, actually it was intense uh, psychotherapy um the kind of laser like uh, power and really uh after all the kind of work that was done there was one we came back to this idea of you know this business and he was just like you've got to cut it just cut it just kill it you've got to kill it all and i was like what all the facebook pages all the twitter accounts all the um, all these the newsletters and the, the and you know and what about the the boxes of of books you know uh, it's like you've got to you've got to it's like okay I don't know what you want to do with the books but all that like digital stuff kill it and on this kind of one glorious night I killed it all and I you know the film uh, Memento there's a little Polaroid picture he's got of the night he thought he had killed the uh, the person who killed his wife and he's like this deliriously happy and it was this incredible like. Uh, energy is the only way to describe it. All this energy that had gone into all these different things that was kind of entrenched and wasn't moving and to kind of slay them and have all that energy come back and suddenly be like, whoa, okay, what will I, what can I create now? You know, and it's like that didn't work. Thank you again for listening. We really hope you enjoyed that conversation. As ever, if you like what we're doing, uh, if you think anyone, if you, anyone you know would benefit from listening to this conversation, enjoy it or dislike it even as much as you have, please feel free to share it. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. The sharing is the lifeblood of this. Sharing and liking, I think, are the, the currency of our modern time. So if you take a moment to, you know, share it with somebody who you think would benefit, we hugely appreciate that. Or even take some time to write a review, irrespective. If you like what we're doing, you can find out more on if you search up peripheral-thinking.com. You'll find your way to the podcast website. You can sign up there. You can register there. You can keep abreast of everything that we're doing. We'd be sure to keep you notified as soon as the next conversations go live. Meantime, thanks again for your time. Thanks again for your ears. Uh, and we look forward to you joining us next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>